What is up, beautiful people, and welcome back to a new episode of the Connect podcast. This is the platform that explores stories of purposeful life lived across and in between cultures and celebrating our common existence and humanity. I am your host, Ghali, and every single week I'll come on here to speak to you guys about some life things or sit down with a guest to speak about things like identity, culture, lifestyle, and purpose. In today's episode, you guys are going to be getting into my mind and hearing a bit about what I've been overthinking about, especially around belonging, community, love, kindness, and all of that good stuff that keeps us all together. Hope you enjoy the episode. What is up, beautiful people? I hope that everyone's week is starting off a lot smoother than mine is. If my voice sounds a bit off, we can blame allergies and my lack of sleep. My um, I'm functioning on good vibes right now and like prayers, nothing else. But, you know, we do what it does and we keep it pushing and you just get little me today. <laughs> I've been I've been in a very sort of like retrospective period in my life at the moment. Like it's just a lot of thinking, sitting still, in the quiet, usually in the dark too because I like the dark. Thinking about life, you know, especially because it just feels like there's so many chaotic things going on in the world and in our communities and societies that like sometimes I just need alone time. I don't want to be near nobody for my thoughts to start making sense to me. <laughs> but one thing that has been on my mind quite a lot recently is the idea of belonging on an individual level and the idea of community at a larger scale. And I remember that a couple of weeks ago, I'd put out this tweet where I was basically expressing how I've always found it difficult to ask people for help or support, especially in terms of my career. And I'm beginning to realize that people are more ready and willing than we even realize to help us. And it's just all about us being able to have the courage to reach out first, you know? And so a good friend of mine had like replied to that tweet and she was expressing how, you know, like the pandemic has really sort of shifted this uber independent conditioning that we have just lived with all of our lives where it's sort of like, and it's also very Western ideal, but it's been very inherited like in the global South in general. And that has a lot to do with like capitalism and like, you know, colonialism and so many other things that we're not going to get into today. But, you know, she was just like coming out of this pandemic. A lot of people are realizing like the importance of supporting one another and what community means, you know, and basically not staying in rooms that don't serve you, not betraying yourself in that way by being around people who do not respect you, do not care for you, do not have your best interest at heart. So how can we build those spaces? And so I've always loved the concept of Ubuntu and Archbishop Desmond Tutu always, like there's this one clip of him explaining it, which I'm going to put in here for you guys to hear it. But 
It's basically us existing through one another that my humanity is bound to yours. I am because we are or you are. And so I wanted you all to hear it and then we can sort of just go from there. Let me tell you, we, we have something in, in our African uh, community, something that is very difficult to put into English. It is, it is called Ubuntu. Ubuntu. Ubuntu is the essence of being human. And it says a solitary human being is a contradiction in terms. I can't be a human being on my lonesome. I wouldn't know how to speak as a human being. I wouldn't know how to think as a human being. I wouldn't know how to walk as a human being. I have to learn from other human beings how to be human. And so Ubuntu, Ubuntu says, my humanity is bound up in yours. I am only because you are. And, and we, we then say, a person is a person through other persons. And that we, we, we need this communal harmony if we're going to survive at all. I always love listening to him speak about a lot of things, but especially this concept because it speaks to my soul and it's a way of life, you know, like it's, we are interconnected, dependent on one another. That is the essence of our species, you know, and we are not very different from other animals in the sense, right? Um, but recently, there was a little bit of an uproar that started on the Twitterverse by someone sharing a Reddit thread, but then it moved to different social media platforms. And basically, this Reddit thread was different people um, giving their experiences of living in Sweden and finding out that Swedish families don't feed their kids' playmates or, you know, like when kids have their friends over. And I found the reactions absolutely hilarious because I was born in Denmark. So I'm Danish by birth and um, I'm not entirely surprised by any of this. I mean, I haven't personally gone through it, but it 100% happens, you know, and even my parents have spoken about this, like in workplaces and things like this. So when I say, and I say this quite often, my vision for life is to live and die in Africa. I am being quite serious. I may end up living in other parts of the world, but this continent, it speaks to me. And so I will live and die here. And I mean, there's just too many cultural and social differences in the West that I do not want to be entertaining, that I don't want to be appeasing, that I don't want to be living through on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that I'm also in a place in my life where I do not have the energy to be polite about my existence. I do not have the energy 
to put on different masks in order to make someone else comfortable with the fact that I am here and I'm not going anywhere. These are not things that are good for our mental health and I will not be entertaining it, right? Growing up on the continent, living here around people who look just like you, who accept you for who you are is good for the soul. Like there's a reason why there are so many people in the black diaspora globally who have chosen to find work in different African countries and come back. People are opting out because it is just not good for your sanity at this point, you know? And the essence of belonging is acceptance. You don't have one without the other. This acceptance gives us an anchor. It is an affirmation um, that provides us with inner peace. It empowers us. You start to walk a little taller. If you're someone who's had some sort of a chip about your identity and like where you belong, that chip loosens. And you're cognitive dissonance about who you are becomes an answered puzzle. And these mental health effects are not things that I'm just sort of like willy-nilly, like pulling out of thin air. There's a book called What Happened to You by Dr. uh, Bruce Perry and Oprah that I read earlier this, no, late last year, I think. Um, And it's basically uh, Dr. Bruce Perry is a psychiatrist, if I'm not mistaken. And the book is basically in conversation format between him and Oprah. And they talk about early childhood development, how trauma affects us. And so basically the title of the book, What Happened to You, it's sort of like what you come to understand when you finish the book is that it's not really what's wrong with any of us. It is what happened to us and how has that sort of shaped who we are today. But in the book, Dr. Perry explains that A strong connection to community is as important today as it was thousands of years ago. The tragedy of the modern world is that community like this is harder and harder to find. Not everybody feels like they belong. There is a direct relationship between a person's degree of social isolation and their risk for physical and mental health problems. Now, this isn't something that only Dr. Bruce Perry has spoken about. It has been widely documented that the incidence, the prevalence, and the course of mental health disorders is strongly linked to community-level factors. Our well-being and ability to thrive are interlinked, and I personally have always, I've always been for the people. So, like, one person succeeding is not enough for me. (laughs) Like, I want, I want all of us to be living our best lives. And so, it's it's always been interesting to me how um, we, society seems to celebrate, you know, that one person that becomes a millionaire or a billionaire or whatever. But in my mind, I'm sort of like, if the vast majority of people are living in poverty and barely, barely have any social protection, right, and are dealing with all of these mental health disorders because of the systemic um, injustices that they are facing every single day. I don't care to talk about one billionaire, you know? I want to talk about how we will, as Audrey Lord says, um, dismantle the master's house. She's known for saying the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. So I'm more interested in that. How do we build something from the ground up 
all of us together? Um, how do we inspire that intrinsic, intuitive human sense of Ubuntu and having a core level of belonging uh, might actually be a great start, you know, building communities. Now, we live in a polarized world. Even as someone who lives in Kenya, it's obvious that the same sort of social fabrics that kept communities together for earlier generations is disintegrating or is changing. And like I said before, much of that has to do with adopting a lot of Western ideals and values that have been imported in various different ways. But I think that we do have the chance to reimagine what community can look like for our generation and the ones after us in a world that is so much different in the past five years than it was even like 15 years prior to that. I think creativity, the arts have unimaginable potential to create mass social change. I do believe that it's the missing links. And I think that in maybe like the past six years, there has been a huge push to realize the potential that um, creative arts and culture have for sustainable development globally. And as someone who uses my creativity and as a storyteller every single day, I spend a lot of time thinking about why people do what they do and say what they say um, and why the world is the way that it is. I'm also an overthinker, recovering though. And um, I just find the human psyche incredibly fascinating. But generally, I think that at the most core level of all of us, we're more alike than we are different. And I think that storytelling, which has been one of the most versatile and powerful tools that we've ever had, but it's also one of the oldest that we had. And it's really because stories are able to help us see another side to a story. It can help us advocate, mobilize, organize. It can help us learn and teach. I mean, if the caveman was using stories to impart some sort of wisdom and like learning lessons, who are we to say that we're better than that, you know? We got this far in evolution, right? And another incredible quote from Audre Lorde says that difference must not be merely tolerated, but seen as a fund of necessary polarities between which our creativity can spark like a dialectic. And I think that this is so important because a lot of the times being different from one another is sort of painted as a bad thing, right? Like, especially also in a polarized world, like, if you are different from me, I don't want to hear you, I don't want to listen, we have nothing to talk about, which is just not true. If anything, having people around you that aren't an echo chamber for you is actually very conducive to your growth. Learning about each other, being receptive to other, other people's perspectives and opinions and taking in new information can help us grow. So when we speak of community, yes, finding people who see humanity in you and hold the same universal values as you is reassuring and it is very necessary for that foundation. But I would also say that hiding ourselves from discomfort, you know, not having difficult conversations, not having dialogue with people different from us will also actually keep us from getting anywhere useful. I've traveled to a lot of places. I've met people who 
I would have never thought we would have anything in common. And I'm not saying that lightly. There are people in my life currently that when I met, I was like, there is no way that this is actually going to be a thing. But they have also become people that have special places in my heart. And it all starts with communication. It all starts with speaking with one another and being intentional and open to seeing ourselves in one another. There is a Danish... She used to be a politician, I think, um, and she might be of Kurdish descent. I don't remember. I'll put everything in the description after I finish recording. But she started this program um, where she would invite people for coffee or tea. Like we're talking about like people who are vastly different from her. And there's a TED talk that I'll also link below. And she's sitting here having conversations with like, People that you would probably say are bigots, you know, like the most racist of the racist and trying to get some common understanding. I think that that is the type of conversations and dialogue that we need. A lot of the times we're very closed off to anything different from us, you know, but if we are to create not only a community for like the things that, you know, we're interested in or like our tribe, our homies, but also to create a society where the fabric is strong enough to withstand like all of the negativity and all of the trauma, then we also have to start with being able to see humanity in one another. So I started by saying that I've struggled with asking for help and I've always been the get it done kind of person, even the preemptively get things done for other people. And I remember when I was younger, I had a such a huge issue with like group projects. Like it makes complete sense why my favorite sport is tennis. I've struggled with trusting that people will get important things done. And I'm like, I, I can rely on me. I got me. But it doesn't work like that. A group project is one thing. Living life is a whole other. And we are built to exist in villages (laughs) and tribes. So the wonderful thing about this podcast and why it's been such an incredible journey for me is that not only do I see how other people care about it and like the responses that I get and people hitting me up and telling me how they feel about certain things. But it's also allowed me to be able to delegate responsibilities. So for example, the the person who has actually become a good friend of mine, Karugu, he does the graphic design for all of the assets and like everything sort of marketing related for the podcast and like the visual identity or whatever. There are also a few other people who like, I'll go to to like bounce ideas off of and things like that. My me four years ago probably wouldn't have done that. You know, like I I have existed very, very on my own, not by not necessarily because I planned it that way, but rather a lot of my work has just been very individual. So I've never had to, I've never really had to force myself to seek help outside of myself when it comes to work-related or project-related things. Here we are four years later and there are multiple plates in the air with multiple teams. So 
I'm forever grateful because I also know that you guys listen to the podcast and I love you guys for it. So thank you. As I was saying, asking for help doesn't feel comfortable all the time. And Brene Brown explains it really well. When you judge yourself for needing help, you judge those you are helping. When you attach value to giving help, you attach value to needing help. The danger of tying your self-worth to being a helper is feeling shame when you have to ask for help. Offering help is courageous and compassionate, but so is asking for help. I think that that is, that sums it up so perfectly, you know, like when we are there for each other, we see it as this noble thing, the right thing to do. But why is it that we demonize ourselves for needing help? We see ourselves as being weak when we do that, right? And I've come to notice that the more I let people know where I am at, and what I need help with, or what I am seeking, not only are people ready and willing to help and hold me and be there for me, but I also am able to trust myself more. It's a really weird thing. I don't know what that mean, how that happens psychologically, but I just trust myself more. And maybe it's because I'm being more transparent, and I'm not hiding parts of me right? And I know that for some, it doesn't feel intuitive, but something incredible does happen when you put your guard down and you let people into your world in this way. When they show up, you you also regain faith that you didn't know you had lost and you feel reassured and you feel cared for. And I think that in a world where so many of us are suffering silently, to know that people are there for you is so incredibly important. And I was catching up on the Netflix show, Stranger Things, and I won't spoil anything, but there's a character in there who's gone through a lot of trauma. I mean, at this point, these kids have gone through all types of trauma, but there's one particular child who's gone through a very traumatic experience and they are hiding from their friends, they're hiding from their teachers, their counselors, their parents, and sort of just being like, no, I'm absolutely fine and pushing people away. And a part of them feels unworthy of help. So I think that what I've come to realize is that the more that we are our messy selves and <laughs> we're very honest about who we are and where we're at, we'll we'll get surprised about we'll get surprised by the people around us and by ourselves. On the one hand, we all have a deep desire to belong and be loved. That's just a human thing. So being our authentic selves can sometimes you know, the vulnerability of it is not comfortable, but I do promise you that whatever that voice in your head is telling you, it's not true. There are people out there who will welcome you and see you, um, but you also have to have the courage to stand in your truth, whatever it is, regardless of outcome, not expecting anything, because there is no true connection or belonging without honesty. And you can't put on a mask of what you think people want. That's not true connection or belonging, you know? And when it comes to community, whether you are looking for something work-related or your hobbies or sports or within your community, you got to put in the work. It is active. It is consistent. It is intentional. It is showing your face and telling people who you are. And it is love and kindness. When building communities, it's that you envision something greater for yourself 
and for other people around you. And you think that you can create something that's absolutely beautiful, you know? And Bell Hooks in her book, All About Love, says that one of her favorite quotes on love is by the psychoanalyst M. Scott Peck. And in his book, The The Road Less Traveled, he defines love as the will to extend one's self for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Love is essentially an action, a practice, right? And when it comes to human connection, to community, to belonging, it has to start here. If we don't have the love and the kindness, if we don't want better for each other, if we don't want to nurture and pour into one another, then we don't get anywhere, you know? And in Eric Fromm's The Art of Loving, he says that love is the active concern for the life and growth of what of that which we love. And I feel like this fits so beautifully with the concept of Ubuntu. So when we seek belonging and building community, we need to remember that the courage to show up, love, kindness, seeing humanity in one another, understanding that until we're all free, none of us are free, you know? These are foundational building blocks when it comes to belonging and community and just our humanity in general. So as we're now living in a time where there is mass suffering, trauma, um, inflation, wars, displacement, climate-related disasters, and so many other things, I want us to take time to actually reimagine the type of world that we want to live in, you know, the type of relationships that we want to have, who we want to be surrounded by, you know, how how do we cultivate a better future, you know, where we actually rely on one another in the way that we were designed to, you know, and but that we've ignored for so long. What does that mean for every single one of us individually and as a collective? What does love and kindness look like in our lives? How do we practice it? How do we receive it? You know, where do we want to go when it comes to community? What do we want to build? What sort of solutions do we want to come up with? Belonging and community and, you know, us existing through one another is not a temporary thing. It's our lifeline. It's the way that we survive, the way that we'll end up thriving or the way that we end up being our own demise. So that's what's been on my mind lately. I know it's never light stuff with me. It's always heavy and like semi-deep, but (laughs) I hope that wherever this has found you in the vast black hole that is the internet, that it finds you well and that it actually made you think about some things a bit more connect with me across social media. Let me know what you guys think, like, share, subscribe, and I will speak to you guys again next week. Bye.